Welcome to episode 32 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined by Matt, Andrew, and Matt, and it's a very joyous day in UConn Nation as the Huskies, for the first time since 2014, when they won it all, have advanced to the Sweet 16. They beat St. Mary's 70-55. to Another great second-half explosion by the Huskies, another second-half explosion by Jordan Hawkins to Damas Nogo, dominant down low, pretty much Pretty similar games between both Gales, ironically. But UConn gets the job done in Albany. They win both games. They're headed to Vegas. It's a party this weekend, Thursday, versus Arkansas, the eighth seed, who upset Kansas yesterday. So that'll be a very interesting match. We'll touch on that a little bit at the end of this episode. But first, what do you guys think? How are you feeling, UConn advancing to the Sweet 16? Well, after what's happened in the last eight years, I'm extremely happy that we're going to Sweet 16. But something to definitely take note of is the start to both of those games was not very good. I mean, Iona and St. Mary's were really nowhere close to our caliber of style. And we we really let them run with the bait for a little bit, which is not the worst thing. I mean, I'm really happy to get a slow start out of the way now, as opposed to in the later rounds, we may run into teams like UCLA, Gonzaga, or even against Arkansas in this next one. But I mean, the way we rebounded should just be really talked about more than anything because we so we were down by, I believe, nine at one point in the St. Mary's game, which not every team can come back from. You know, you get buried, you don't come back from it. But this team really, really showed why they deserve to be here and why this is a completely different year than the past. Yeah, and it's just so rewarding as a UConn fan to see our team in the Sweet 16 here and just – creating obvious separation from these other teams showing that we're better than your Iona's of the world. We're better than your St. Mary's of the world. We're not going to lose in the first two rounds like other years. Things are different now. Super rewarding to see because we've been through some tough times and we're really seeing a team make a diff make, you know, a difference. And um, I just can't speak enough on how experienced and composed this whole team is looking and it goes from guys all the way from the starting lineup to guys at the end of our bench, like Joey Calcaterra and Nahi Moline who are coming in playing hard and hitting shots. Um, It's just really, really nice to see that. And a lot of what we're seeing now, uh, I can compare it. I feel like directly to what we saw at the start of the season uh, where we would go into games and we would start off a little bit slow, but then towards the second half, we would just pull away. We were on, we went on a 14 game win streak. Uh, on that spell there. And all the games went uh, pretty similar. Uh, then we, of course, were on that little losing spell. But this team has never been a team to, you know, blow a team out of the water in the first half or in the first 10 minutes. So I'm just really glad to see that we're playing like uh, we should be playing at the right time. We're playing like that team that did go 14-0 at the start of the season. And with what Matt just said with the beginning of the season thing, I did some research for stat-wise, and UConn's 19-0. and when Sonogo has 20 or more points. So if you say that another player on our team is the X factor over Sonogo, in the words of Darren Haynes, our good friend, you are dead wrong. Yeah. And really you mentioned Sonogo's the X factor, but really we talked about in previous episodes, how who's going to get cut from this rotation. Hurley always goes down. We have nine guys. No way we see that in March. Who is it going to be a lean Joey Hassan Diara? No, we're going nine strong. I mean, everyone got in Diara only five minutes in this one, but the matchup called for Newton a little more Joey to run the point, but I'm actually surprised to see, obviously it's good that they're all still playing. It means they're all producing, but I'm surprised to see we still have nine guys playing this late in the season. 
Yeah, and it surprises me too because if you just flick on any kind of sports channel, CBS, TNT, any pregame panels they have out there, any Johnson, Candace Parker, they all love to talk about UConn's depth, which at the start of the year, I feel like we were a little unsure about uh, bringing in a lot of guys in from the transfer portal. But, I mean, it's good to see that, you know, it's not just us seeing this now. It's now on a national level because I feel like if anyone deserves it, it's these guys. These guys put in more work this year than any other team in the country. I feel like, you know, obviously coming into the transfer portal, we had six returning players from last year. and We're running a 15-man rotation today. Not rotation, but we got 15 players in today, which is just great. I love seeing Diara, Calcaterra out there, all those guys, Celine. So, I don't know. Like Sark says, it was very rewarding. And what a luxury it is to just have a team that can go nine deep. Obviously, Iona and St. Mary's couldn't even keep up with that. Um, They were running five, six-man rotations. Uh, St. Mary's had to deal with some injury problems. But when we're coming up against Arkansas here, they're definitely a deeper team. I just looked. They were running about eight men against Arkansas. Or against Kansas, I'm sorry. Arkansas, Kansas, very similar words. But um, it's definitely, once we're going to see higher caliber teams here, something that's going to change is just them not being able to keep up with our depth. So it'll be interesting to finally see a team that can. But just like I said, what a luxury to have that. Expect to see Donovan Klingon a lot against Arkansas because the one thing that the Razorbacks really lack is size. Their biggest starting lineup player, ready for this one, is six foot seven. That was their starting lineup against Kansas, and their biggest player was six foot seven. I think their biggest off the bench might be six foot nine. So something that they really lack is the size. So definitely be ready for that one in the match. But they're they're all athletes and they all play physical. So we we really got to be ready for Arkansas on Thursday. The size is going to be a huge deal in this game because uh, I saw a stat earlier. I can't remember who sent it. Someone sent it. Sunogo was a plus one today, and then Klingon was a plus sixteen. If I'm correct, uh, that is a major, major deal because you bring in Klingon, they have no way to stop him. Um, and just Klingon with the bench units, just as a whole, he just runs a lot, a lot better. The bench unit looks like a starting unit, so I'm very curious to see what Sonogo and Klingon have coming. Yeah, we talk about this bench unit. Hurley, the past two games, he's had the starters on. Then he's brought in five reserves, the four that play in Samson. And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like the five he brings in straight off the bench have a pretty solid chance of beating Iona, a pretty solid chance of beating St. Mary's. I mean, that's crazy to see the depth we have. And Sark, I know you mentioned that obviously St. Mary's had some injury issues. Alex Dukas suffered a pretty much a definition of a freak injury just standing there. I don't know if it's back spasms or a cramp, but he like couldn't walk, couldn't barely stand. So hopefully he's okay. I've seen some people saying he's that's the difference in this 15-point game. Obviously, he did have eight points when he exited. He just hit two threes, but I don't know if he makes up. He averages 12 points per game. I don't know if he makes up that 15-point gap. And... I'll talk a little bit more about the Husky stats here against St. Mary's. We mentioned Sonogo. He has, he had 24 points, eight rebounds. He's averaging like 26 and 11, 11 and a half rebounds so far this tournament. And I can confidently say Adama Sonogo has been the best player in the NCAA tournament so far this year through first four days. I mean, the stats don't lie. He carried us to two victories. Obviously we had the supporting cast as well, like Jordan Hawkins, four threes in the second half. He just had some foul trouble early. He didn't really do too bad in the first half, just couldn't stay on the floor. Tristan Newton hit some big threes, hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first half. He was huge after kind of a little bit of a dud 
little bit of a dud against uh, Iona, so it's good to see that. Andre Jackson produced 6-6-7, six, six, and seven. exactly what you want from him. Caravan, not too much from him. He played 32 minutes, but this wasn't really the game for him against some bigger a bigger power forward that St. Mary's had. He had three points, hit a three. And off the bench, like we mentioned, Aline hit a three. Joey hit a three. Klingon, he didn't have the same exact uh, results as he did against Iona. He didn't quite have the near double-double, but he was productive. Four points, five rebounds, also a two assists, which, I mean, it's probably close to a career high. He doesn't get too many of those. And like we mentioned, we got all these guys in, 15 guys played. Apostolos Rumaglu got to hit that free throw, buddy. I mean, scoring the NCAA tournament, I mean, that'd be awesome. But good to see those guys out there. I know they work really hard in practice, and they deserve it. Good to see them all get in. And for St. Mary's, I'll talk real quick. They didn't have a double-digit score, which is surprising. I mean, obviously, they have, what, two, three, even maybe four guys that average in double figures. So, it's, I mean, we dominated them on the defensive end. Yeah, they have four guys that average double figures, including Logan Johnson, who leads the team, 14.6. He just had nine. Aiden Mahaney, 14 points. He just had nine. I mean, complete domination all the way through for UConn on the defensive end. Um. I actually would have liked to see Hurley leave Klingon in in the second half more than play Sonogo because he was gassed after that first half. I mean, rightfully so. He had a ridiculous game in the first half, continued it in the second, obviously. But their offense for St. Mary's just completely flipped when Klingon was in there because he just shut everything down. I mean, with his seven foot two build, he was just out there to just really scare those guys. I mean, the guy, there's one guy on uh, St. Uh, Mary's who tried to completely yam one there on playing. And I don't know why you're going at the seven foot two guy to try to do that, but he completely switched it around. And I think with a team that lacks size, like Arkansas, Klingon can change the game. And I feel like with Sonogo here, this is, a, this looks like a different guy. I, I don't know what happened because at the start of the year, the issue was that he would hold the ball and he wouldn't kick it. He would just go up with the shots. And then sort of towards the end of the year, he was kicking it a lot. And I felt like lost a little bit of aggressiveness. And now it's just kind of like the perfect storm for him where he's getting to the basket like at will. The dude does every single move possible now that I that we haven't seen all year. He's getting a lot of driving dunks. He's getting a lot of moving, a lot of movement in the paint from him, which we haven't entirely seen all year. We've seen a lot of, you know, just post-ups, post-spins and stuff. But we've never seen... And a and a, a truly aggressive Adama Sonogo going in with spin moves, floaters, all all the theatrics. But uh, I'm I'm glad to see it, and I feel like you have to let him, you know, go at it in these games in order to build his confidence, going deeper. Uh, I'm not sure how long the break is here until we play Arkansas, but he's going to rest up pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah, one thing I just want to say about the big men is both of our centers create two different physical problems for you at a better level than most other centers do. And they do it in completely different ways. You know, Sonogo will do it by just being stronger than you and having great touch and having better timing than you. And Klingon will do it just from being so large, being such a big guy and you have to stay in front of him so he can't catch a lob. And then you have to run back because he's hustling up and down the floor. So our centers are just such hard people to handle. And um, it's really shown here in March. I think that has been the difference for us this year so far has been just having two centers who will completely control the game in their own ways. 
And having these centers that dominate, I mean, it's kind of, you look at some of these past champions, we were talking about this before we hopped on. A lot of it is guard play. It's the old saying, guards win in March. I mean, you look at Kansas last year, Ochai, Baji, Christian Brown, where they're two best players, both guards. Baylor, obviously their guards are all elite in 21. Virginia had Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. I mean, Villanova always guard heavy. I mean, it's been a while since bigs have led a team to a title. I feel like we could change that this year. I mean, we've proved it so far two dominant wins. I mean, maybe we can flip the script a little bit. The good news is that we had the best shooter in the country in our backcourt. So I feel like, you know, once everybody gets a goal and it's, 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 a, it's a matter of time. I mean, not to say that we don't have guards. I mean, we've got Hawkins who pretty much took control there for a couple of minutes when he was looking like prime Ray Allen again out there after he caught fire. But with Hawkins, I really just want to touch on what happened in the past couple of games with him, you know, the non-scoring thing, it's, it's okay. I mean, he couldn't get open. They were really, they were really like guarding him in his face. And I personally think that he shoots better with people in his face, but he has to hit with him. He has to hit a wide open one to really get going. And that's what he did there in the second half. But both of those, those games that we played, he just could not get open and couldn't get the shots that he wanted. So as much as people were really crapping on him for his first half performance, he wasn't doing that bad. But just the fact that he caught fire in that second half, I, I just thank God for it, honestly. And now to kind of bridge, I guess, to call it from the St. Mary's game to our Arkansas preview. I mean, we're all big Huskies fans here. How about them Huskies? I believe we support all of our former UConn players that have moved on in just a few minutes ago, Jalen Gaffney in Florida Atlantic beat the powerhouse Farley Dickinson University to move on to the Sweet 16. So Jalen Gaffney is going to play on. I'm happy for him. It'll be at MSG, FAU, Tennessee. I think a winnable game for FAU. Maybe maybe we'll run into Gaffney in the national championship game. How how incredible and how like weird would that be? I mean, it's all up in the air. we got to beat Arkansas first before we worry about playing FAU in the title game. But cool to see him still playing on. Obviously, no hard feelings, at least for me. I'm sure all of you the same. He wanted a bigger, better role. He's gotten that. He was starting at the beginning of the year for FAU. He's not coming off the bench, but he hit a three. He almost drilled a half-court shot I was watching earlier to close the first half. He's, I'm sure he's having a blast down in Florida. I mean, good for him, good for good for everyone. I mean, UConn Sweet 16, Gaffney Sweet 16, everyone's happy. I mean, yeah, you never want to see transfers do bad. I mean, Gaffney had his all his reasons to transfer, you know, he, he just didn't quite pan out. You know, I loved what I, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I really liked watching Gaffney at UConn. Um, I thought that he was a great player who just was really overlooked by a lot of people, but I'm real happy that he gets to play in the sweet 16 with a team that's really making him uh, happy. You know, I saw a po- uh, comment on his post from Tyrese Martin said something like you're happy and winning. That's all that matters. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He's, He's a great kid who just had a, a tough go of it here, but I'm really happy to see him win. And honestly, if if we don't win it, I'm a Florida Atlantic fan for the rest of this tournament. And now I think we'll move on to that Arkansas preview. The Razorbacks defeated the reigning champion Kansas yesterday, 72 to 71. I mean, I personally saw it coming. I picked Arkansas in my bracket, not to brag, but I mean, it was a surprise to see the reigning champs go down. Obviously, no Bill Self for Kansas. Hopefully, he gets well soon. He wasn't on the sideline. But, I mean, Arkansas, they're a very guard-heavy team. They have guys like Davis, Council, Black, Walsh off the bench. I mean, this is a completely different 
like pretty much opposite makeups. They rely on their guards. We rely a lot on our front court big men. I mean, we mentioned, um, and remember Andrew mentioned that they don't have a big starting lineup. I mean, they started Kamani Johnson at the five, and he's six seven. Their point guard Anthony Black is six seven, but he's not going to be guarding Sonogo. And off the bench, they have the Mitchell twins, Makai and Mikel. They're each six nine, six ten. So I mean, that's some size, but they combine an average like five points per game. So they're not really threats. I feel like we've seen Sonogo dominate so far this year, so far this tournament and year inside and I feel like we can see that continue if we just plan right seems like Arkansas's main guy from the small bit of research I've done on them since uh the game has ended is Ricky Council he uh he played 40 minutes today uh I don't think a single UConn player has played 40 minutes or 40 minutes yesterday I don't think a single UConn player has played 40 minutes all season he averages around 16 uh and four so uh I assume we throw Andre on him. He's six six. He's a guard. Uh, he seems like their main guy. So I assume we throw Andre on him. But then uh, it's a matter of where are you going to stick everyone else. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Hurley go with a bit of a different approach uh, to this one in terms of rotations. I would love to see him uh, play Diara, and um, I'd love him to see Diara play at the point guard more. Uh, put Newton more to the two, so that way they can just spread the floor because Newton hasn't done the best job uh, ball handling pass, and he had four turnovers today. So uh, I would like to see, you know, a different ball handler, but still allowing Newton to be out there to shoot the ball, which he's been doing pretty well. And another guy you definitely um, hear about a lot when they're talking about Arkansas is Nick Smith, uh, Nick Smith Jr. Um, he's a freshman right now. He's young. Um, he's about 6'5". He's a guard. And he really had a great SEC tournament. I know they didn't win, but I think he had like 25, 15, 16, something like that in all of his SEC tournament games. He hasn't been playing well in this tournament. Um, he only had six the first game. He was actually held scoreless against Kansas, which is pretty unreal. But he's definitely a good player. He's a player I hear a lot of draft buzz about. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. But like I said, just struggling so far. And this is the first time we're going up against a really, really energetic coach. I mean, we went up against the Hall of Famer, Rick Pitino. Don't know much about the guy from St. Mary's, but we're going up against uh, Sark's second favorite coach here and Eric Musselman. I don't know if you guys saw it. You guys definitely saw it because we talked about it earlier. But the viewers, he took his shirt off and stood on what was either the bench or the scorer's table and started like leading a chant, waving his shirt around. I don't even want to imagine what college basketball would do to Danny Hurley. It ban him from the sport and arrest him or something like that. But he's he's like the southern version of Danny Hurley. You know, he's really passionate about his Razorbacks. He's there for a reason. So that's definitely something to take into account. You know, Patino and whoever the guy was today, I should definitely know that. But they didn't have much energy. But be ready to hear, if you're going to Vegas, be ready to hear some screaming in a southern accent from uh, Eric Musselman there. You know, um, everyone's talking about the game and the players in the game. But what I really want to see is just two absolute lunatics facing off as it comes to coaches. Um, Muss and Dan Hurley are both well-known lunatics. Absolutely insane. My favorite type of coach. We already got to see it a little bit when um Dan Hurley and Rick Patino were each going onto the court and playing defense in the Iona game. Um, that was pretty fun. You know, those are a couple guys who are lunatics. But you think of Rick Patino, he's on, you know, one level. Here's Eric Musselman. He's up here. He's almost clinically insane. And um, so is Dan Hurley in all the right ways, I'll add. So um, yeah, this is gonna be an exciting coaching matchup. Look for some gems from this one. I look at this one, and I feel like we have learned lessons throughout the year. 
especially Danny Hurley has learned lessons throughout the year about a time and a place. Um, if you remember back against Xavier, it was our first loss of the season, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Hurley lost his cool at the wrong time. Um, you know, it's it, it's fun to be a crazy coach who has crazy passion and, you know, wants to hype his players up. But there there's always a time and a place. And he's always been a guy to get it wrong, get the time wrong, you know, lose your head, let the moment get to you. But since I lost against Xavier, I feel like we've seen a very different uh, Danny Hurley, uh, especially, you know, coming towards the end of the season when the games really mattered uh, in seeding throughout the NC, uh, Big East tournament. He kept his head, and throughout this tournament, he seemed to have kept his head. He he does all the crazy stuff, but he, he doesn't – he hasn't got ejected. He hasn't gotten any tees uh, from what I remember. I could be wrong, but I, I really think it's going to play a major role in this game because I think, uh, you know, Musselman could let this get to him. Musselman could come into this one thinking that, you know, this is going to be like a crazy coaching off, and then Hurley comes in cool, and Musselman kind of freaks out. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what Hurley does. Uh, I'm hoping he stays composed, and I'm hoping that, you know, his composure wins us this game. Yeah, early in the season, early Big East play, late non-conference. Obviously, Hurley had – he's always a threat to get a tech or two once in a while. I mean, Andre had his stretch where he got back-to-back games, like taunting the other bench. Both those problems have gone away. I mean, the team's maturing as the season goes on. That's great to see. And also, we're hyping up this – for lack of a better term, lunatic coaching matchup. We were robbed of it last year thanks to a certain Teddy Allen. So we get the matchup this year between UConn and Arkansas. It'll be a fun game. And, yeah, I mean, I think we can jump to players to watch now for this one. And uh, and you guys want to kick us off? I'm going to decide on mine. Um, I'll take Andre Jackson just because we haven't even really touched on him much this episode. But he's just been so solid for us, and he's been doing his job pretty well. Um, he even hit a couple threes for us in that first game. You could tell he was excited and locked in to be uh, over there in Albany. But he's just been really doing his job for us. He's been guarding well, rebounding well, um, doing what he does, which is starting transition, getting out in open space so he can make his flashy passes and do his flashy dribble moves. And he's been scoring the ball at appropriate times when we really need him to. So that's why I'm looking for him this game. I'm honestly, I got to go with Hawkins here because, you know, People have been trashing on him because of the the stuff I already explained with the starts and stuff. But I think this is a game where he can easily drop 20 because I think he's going to be on a whole different mindset here of how he wants to play because he's seen what's happened in these first games where, you know, he really has to force himself to get going for this team to win. And I think the offense will be a little bit different. It won't be as much uh, around Sonogo as it will with Hawkins and Newton around the perimeter. Uh, I really like Newton shooting today for one, but I think the Hawkins is is going to have a lot better game than he did uh, offensively as well as defensively because he wasn't even rotating in the second half. You know, he didn't look like he wanted to be there, but I think this is a good wake-up call because he's definitely a guy who wants to win a championship for the squad. So I'm going to go with Hawk because of all, like, the backlash he's faced, you know. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's just had a couple slow starts. But, yeah, my guy for this one's definitely Hawk. Okay, so my player got stolen again. But I'm just going to go on and let me. I'm going to do a little audible. I'm just going to say the backcourt. I would have said Hawkins, but at the end of the day, this really is more than Hawkins. Uh, I really want to see the backcourt get the better of Arkansas's powerhouse, powerhouse backcourt here with uh, Smith and Council. I want to see Hawkins come out. I want to see Newton come out. I want to see Diara come out. And I just want to see them mop the floor with them. 
I feel like that would be the big push we need. If we win this game and those guys go off, that sends us into the Elite Eight with an abundance of confidence because we know what we're getting with Sonogo. We know what we're getting with Klingon. If we can solidify that backcourt and get those three going, I feel like we have a really good shot at pulling the tournament out. And I want to go with Alex Caravan. He's a guy, he hasn't really emerged yet in this tournament. He scored nine points combined over the two games. Arkansas, they're a team, they usually, they start four guards, at least they did versus Kansas. They have, they're so, so plentiful at guards, so thin inside. They run four guards a lot, probably see it most of the game. I feel like that's a place that Caravan could take advantage of. He has a size advantage. Obviously, all these guards nowadays, every all of them are 6'4 to 6'7, so it's not too big of a size advantage, but maybe you see Caravan back down, one of them get a bucket. He's had a nice take today. I'm pretty sure it was either swatted or just missed, but he's been more aggressive as the season's gone on. We've kind of been on him about that as being more than just a shooter, and he's exceeded all our expectations. I think, I think we can see double digits from him. He averaged near that during the season, so I feel like Without a doubt, he can do it. So, yeah, Alex Caravan is my player to watch versus Arkansas in the Sweet 16, which is crazy to say after everything. I mean, Sweet 16, UConn, it's been a while. And I'm going to I'm gonna say a couple of stats here that I picked up, and then, and then maybe you guys can get some last thoughts, and then we'll close here. UConn, I was curious. I mean, when's, I mean we've been, been to many national championships, Final Fours. When's the last time that we lost the Sweet 16 game? got to go back to 2003. I'm sure most of most of us, maybe all of us weren't born. If not, maybe one of us was. But 2003 is the last time we lost in the Sweet 16. We lost to Texas. And since then, we've just won three titles, made it to a Final Four. I mean, this is – I mean, I'm not saying we're automatically winning this game. It's a completely different circumstance, completely different players. But 20 years since our last Sweet 16 loss puts me – in a little confident place for some reason. And also Joey Calcaterra, he played for San Diego in the West Coast Conference for the past four years. He was 0-6 against St. Mary's, so now he can finally sleep at night saying he beat the Gales. First time he's done that in his career. That's awesome to see. Another fun stat here. I feel like we mentioned this in the last episode, but our past three national championships, uh, we won in the West region. So I'm feeling a little bit comfortable going out there too, uh, knowing what we've done there in the past. I'm going to end this with my daily Twitter shout out here. Again, if you're not on UConn Twitter, why aren't you? And this one is going to go from the big man on campus, Penfield. And this one is just a simple, simple tweet that is very true. All the Hurley haters can shut the F up. Yeah, you see all these tweets. Hurley's yet to win a big game. I see all these sarcastic. He hasn't won a big game yet because we've won by 15 and what, 20-something, our first two NCAA games. So they're counting that as – or maybe not big games. They haven't won a close game with Hurley, I should say. Hurley can't win close games, yeah, because we're winning by 15. We're 13-0 and against non-Biggies teams this year with all double-digit wins. I feel like that's a great stat to end on as we head, we head to Vegas, not us as the podcast, but UConn is headed to Vegas to take on Arkansas on Thursday at a time yet to be announced, but um, we'll be all over that. I mean, it's just a fun time. March Madness, 64 teams cut down to 16 in a matter of, what, less than 100 hours. It's the best time of the year for basketball. And, yeah, I think that'll just about do it here finally, episode 32. Uh, we're not going to have another episode before the Arkansas game. Hopefully, if we beat Arkansas, we'll, we'll have an episode right after that taking on either – UCLA, Gonzaga, TCU. I saw TCU is actually leading the Zags in the first half, so that's interesting. But, yeah, thanks for watching.